0: Scientists have identified the key ways in which we humans are destroying the ecosystems on which we depend.
1: Is there climate change? Yeah. I mean, will it change back? Probably, that's what I think.
2: How dare you!
1: The British Conservation
0: Alliance was launched by students in the United Kingdom to advocate for market-based environmental reforms.
2: You should be empowered to deal with those problems. Lebanon, Poland, Spain, the US, the UK. Austria. It's just really cool seeing all these people gather to talk about these ideas when we weren't doing this a year ago and we're doing it now. We can begin to defend the earth
1: against the disaster of global warming.
0: The Green Market Podcast.
1: The Green Market is a show by the British Conservation Alliance in association with the Austrian Economic Center and Cedar Gold. Our show focuses on topics revolving around market environmentalism, ESG impact investing, and the application of the Austrian School of Economics towards a green social vision that makes sense, that works, and is not agenda-based or government-based. Today, we have uh, a focus on the carbon tax debate. Our participants today are Eamon Ives and Marcin Bronowski. Eamon is a senior researcher at the Center for Policy Studies, one of Westminster's leading free market think tanks. He specializes in energy and environmental policy, with his research focusing on how market-based solutions can mitigate challenges such as climate change, air pollution, and conservation. Eamon is also research advisor at the Entrepreneurs' Network, a think tank for promoting entrepreneurship. He previously sat in the advisory board of Climate Assembly UK. Marson is the president of the British Conservation Alliance and an activist, writer, and political strategist. He's also regional coordinator at Students for Liberty UK. With over seven years experience in working for NGOs, think tanks, and government entities, he has wide experience in policy work campaigns. Welcome, Eamon and Marcin. Hi, Richard. Great to be here. Great, so uh, let's, let's begin uh, and have a, have a discussion on uh, carbon tax, uh, what, what it means, uh, what, why uh, is it implemented, and just just your initial thoughts on that. Uh, Maybe you can begin with Marcin.
0: Sure. Um, Although I think that Eamon uh, should start given that he is for the the pro uh, side of the way, Uh, but it's fine. Um, So, carbon tax is basically an idea and a policy uh, program uh, that wants to put a uh, monetary value on the negative externalities of production uh, that are uh, the emissions in this case uh carbon dioxide um the idea is to add to the price of a product as you would uh, with a with a tax uh in most cases however it does vary uh depending on on the implementation uh in order to put a um added information on one side regarding uh, the environmental impact of the uh of the product on on the environment and on the other side also provide a uh, monetary incentive to or disincentive uh, to not buy the products that are more environmentally uh, damaging, and to instead buy ones that are uh, better for the environment. So uh, I think, in in terms of the um, quick uh, nutshell, I think that's that's pretty much it um, about what it is. Iman, do you want to add anything? Um,
2: no, I think that's a very kind of uh, cogent and succinct uh, definition of it. Um, yeah, I guess kind of I start with saying it's kind of a fixed levy per tonne of CO2 uh, CO two that's emitted. Um, and of course, we could maybe extend that to other greenhouse gases like methane um, based on kind of an equivalency process, which um, which kind of governments are already doing at the moment in terms of accounting for emissions um, that where we do have sort of nascent carbon taxes. Um, in places like the UK or or Canada or elsewhere.
1: And Eamon, uh, can you also clarify how this is different from uh, carbon offsetting or carbon credits?
2: Uh, Sure, yeah. So I think um, with any sort of form of carbon tax is that ideally you're kind of levying um this 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 tax um as i said on sort of a per ton basis um uh, in regards to how much carbon will be emitted from any activity so we can kind of work that out on per ton of uh, oil or or gas or coal that's mined out of the the ground um uh how it differs to sort of carbon credits i guess would be that uh you know companies i guess with carbon credits are buying um kind of allowances to pollute based on sort of um uh, the amount of offsetting that, that an activity can be uh can can be done with the the money that they're giving um the sort of carbon tax is kind of more government administered and um yeah essentially just tries to internalize the the negative externalities as per any other pigovian tax
1: and what are the the key points from your perspective Eamon, of why it makes sense uh in the, you know, from your perspective and your views,
2: yeah. So I think it's kind of an interesting one because I I seldom wake up in the morning to advocate for more taxes. You know, I generally uh, generally like to have as few taxes as possible and and for them to be as um, you know well administered and, and as economically uh, undamaging as possible to coin a word. Um, but but I sort of start from the position that um, obviously global warming is happening. We know it happens through uh, anthropogenic activities like burning fossil fuels uh, principally. Um, And because of that, we need to come up with solutions for it. And as far as I'm concerned, carbon taxes are um, perhaps the single best way um, that we can do that. Um, They typically the least economically damaging um, and they they have plenty of other advantages, which I'm more than happy to sort of get into throughout this discussion. Um, But yeah, so I think think the, the situation we need to think of is um, I don't think inaction, inaction is kind of, you know, that's out of the window. I don't think anybody sensible is calling for inaction. It's kind of a question now between different methods of decarbonization. And as I said, it's sort of, as far as I'm concerned, carbon taxes are, are the best way uh, to go about that, you know, relative to other sort of kind of top-down government mandates and, and regulations and things like that.
1: And your perspective, Martin, on uh, why it does not make sense?
0: maybe not it does not make sense i think it's a very like um i agree with the principle i think on principle put bringing to people the um the visuality of negative externalities on production is a noble goal and and i think that um on on paper carbon tax sounds like a very good idea i i think that uh looking at uh the implementation side looking at uh, how it worked in in the places where it was introduced, and also um, the kind of public feedback that it uh, received. Um, often it being called regressive, for example, often it, uh, having um, not as pos- as big positive impact as as envisioned. About which I'm also very happy to uh, to talk about later in this in this in this conversation. Um, in general, I think that once it has very um uh, positive ambitions um when it comes to actually getting it done it on one side I think is not as effective as we would want it to be and on the other it's very hard to administer and and make sure that it actually uh, on one side represents uh, what it's supposed to represent and uh, for it to be implemented on a especially transnational scale as this is the scale that uh, carbon tax would actually have a, a real um, positive impact if, uh, if it does work.
1: Interesting. And Eamon, can you clarify in terms of implementing a, a carbon tax, um, how it has the potential to internalize the negative externalities of carbon emissions in a manner that is less cumbersome than like the current system of numerous taxes and regulations that, that are existing?
2: sure definitely um so i think generally when when people talk about this and and it's maybe it's incumbent on me to just say that you know there's no sort of hard and fast um rule for implementing carbon taxes you know they come in lots of different varieties um but i guess sort of an ideal system which i would levy would be um as far upstream in the economy as possible which is to say um basically as close um to the point at which the carbon enters the economy as possible so whether that's when coal is mined out of the ground, when, when, you know, pipe, uh, gas and oil is sort of piped up from the depths that the company doing that is essentially responsible for hundred um, percent of the carbon tax. Um, and there's lots of good reasons for doing it like that. So first of all, it becomes uh, massively, massively um, more simple for say, um, finance ministries or, or tax um, tax administrators to, to work out who should be paying this tax um and it basically it 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 minimizes the amount of people who are effectively paying it uh, directly at least um so work that's been done in america i think they they would suggest that perhaps only about 3000 um people would be directly or, or com- companies corporations would be directly uh impacted by the carbon tax so they're the only ones that are actually interacting with it um you know as a sort of first um first group that's interacting with it and then we can see what happens when it gets passed down uh throughout the economy so i think that's number one and that, and and that obviously has other other knock-on effects in terms of minimizing the amount of bureaucracy and, and people need to deal with this um and then and then also i think that the other great thing about that is that it sort of covers um pretty much all um or, or as close as one can get to all of the carbon that an economy is going to be emitting um if we levy it on on fossil fuels and things like that. Um, and and the other good thing about that is that it's very sort of economically non-distortive because um, it captures, uh, you know, it goes right across the whole breadth of the economy. It's not just kind of pinpointing one sector. Um, and, and that's kind of a, a generally a good sort of element of any tax system is for for, for them to be neutral across economic activity.
1: And um, should it be introduced on its own, Eamon, uh, or should uh, it be introduced in addition to other taxes and regulations
2: uh, yes uh, and that's that's a really important thing to, to mention because obviously Marcin has touched upon how carbon taxes could be regressive um, and any sort of flat levy is going to be regressive um, in that people on lower incomes would spend a higher proportion of their income um, reacting to it um, so what I would recommend that we we also one of the other things that we introduce alongside a carbon tax would be some form of dividend um, which is basically to say any, uh, all of the revenues that are raised by the carbon tax um, are, are essentially given back to the people um, on a sort of, um, you know, we've seen um, stimulus uh, programs throughout the coronavirus pandemic where people have basically been given checks by the government. And essentially I think this is how something could work with a carbon tax. So every, I don't know, month or quarter, um, ideally, ideally as, as frequently as possible we would divvy up um, all of the revenues that the carbon tax um, has raised and then return that back to people. And in doing so, we can ensure that um, those on the lowest incomes um, are not going to be hit hardest. You know, they, they get some of the money back. They can use that to pay for the higher costs um, that a carbon tax would necessarily engender. Um, and um, we can design it in such a way that actually um, the vast majority of the population actually benefit from the carbon tax. And it's only those people um, the sort of the, the super wealthy that are um, causing all this pollution to be made that are actually going to have to take responsibility for it. And and yes, they will have to pay more. But I think um, that's sort of perfectly, um, perfectly uh, understandable. And I think a lot of people can get behind that idea. Um, and it's perfectly right that they should be expected to take responsibility for the pollution and the damage that they cause.
1: And Martin, from your perspective, can you provide us some insight into like a cost benefit analysis um, in terms of um, you know how it could be implemented and uh, or, or, or have a burden on economic growth
0: sure uh, so first of all I'd like to quickly respond to, uh, to what Iman said uh, regarding the the implementation um, I think this would be better um, what you are saying so putting it at us uh, closely to the first stages of, of production as possible would be better than putting it at the end, of the of the process. However, I think it has a a few few issues with it as well. So first of all, even though only a few people are directly impacted uh, by the uh, rise of, of prices of, of the petroleum or or coal, it does trickle down throughout the market. If you increase the price of of one product, especially a commodity, um, then the next prices of the next things that rely On this on this commodity are going to go up as well, so even though directly only let's say 3000 companies, as you said, or or people are going to be. um, uh, uh, impacted in actuality everyone is going to be impacted Uh, whether that impact is going to be high or or small that depends on how big the the carbon tax is and. But however, either way, it's going to be the entirety of the population, and the entirety of the of the economy, every single we are all connected in our economic system. And and if you increase the price of one, especially such a base commodity that in everything that is produced somewhat goes back to the to the fossil fuels, you're going to have a a widespread effect of that as well. Um, Obviously, this is going to spread out, but still the effect will be there. The second issue. Um, connected to that, is that if we only focus on the uh, fossil fuel industry and coal, then I don't really see that there is that big of a point to do so right now. We are already moving very quickly away from this, um, from, from coal based or fossil fuel based um, eco- uh, energy system. And um, I think that the, the market forces and also the say so uh, social forces are propelling us in this direction already. And I think that, um, especially in this form of, of a carbon tax, on one side, it I don't think it would be effective enough to um, justify the use of it. And on the other hand, um, I think that the movement is already there. And even if it were to speed it up a, a, a bit, uh, I think the repercussions of it are not going to justify um, the move, getting a movement that is already inexistent and um that then ties into uh, the cost benefit uh, analysis uh in that yes to some extent we might be having a, a more um, let's say more quick t- uh, transition and um we we might uh, thanks to that lower our emissions to to a certain extent again depends on how big the carbon tax is supposed to be uh but on the other hand we are already getting there and um the costs are are pretty high because everyone is going to be affected um especially the the poor and when it comes to the the dividend um i think it's uh i i i know about um the the idea of it and i'm to be honest, still not convinced. Uh, because, as we know, with pretty much all welfare or social programs, whenever the money has to go through the government, it lo- part of it is lost on each step of the process. The bureaucracy takes time. The bureaucracy takes money, and uh, in order to repay it again, uh, you are losing money and time and uh, and efficiency. And beyond that, um, we have the we have the issues. So for example. Um, undocumented immigrants not getting the dividend because they are not registered and they still pay the tax though. Um, on the other hand, um, in order for uh, the carbon tax to be sustainable, sorry, for the dividend to be sustainable, the carbon tax has to keep increasing. Because as the, if we assume uh, that carbon tax is going to bring a decrease in the, in the emissions, that means that the pool of money that we are taking it from uh, is going to decrease over time because the emissions are decreasing, so we have less uh, money from the uh, less money from the from the um from the tax so we need to increase it and keep increasing it uh in order to keep up uh with with the spending that we that we associated uh the the carbon tax with and that 's for example what we 've been seeing in in canada and in, in british columbia where they have been consecutively increasing the carbon tax despite british columbia having a a uh, s- slower uh, decrease in, um, in CO2 uh, per capita production, uh, sorry, emissions uh, than uh, Ontario, uh, which is a much bigger state and which increased uh, uh, CO2 emissions from 1990 to 2018 by 35%, whilst uh, British Columbia only did so by 16%. And um, Ontario didn't introduce a carbon tax and yet they have a uh, higher decrease in, in CO2 emissions. And uh, the one that was introduced actually by by British Columbia was targeting especially uh, fossil fuels so um, again going back to the question, does it really make sense if the if the um, payback is uh, not as high at least at least from what we've seen so far
1: And Eamon, there's been many observations on how the carbon tax has has ended up in a, in a general fund of government, uh, Finances. How, how can governments uh, structure the carbon tax to ensure that it would go to, you know, environmental improvement projects or reduction of of carbon greenhouse gas emissions?
2: Yeah. So i i wouldn't um, I wouldn't support a carbon tax which just went into a sort of a generalised um, fund. Or perhaps I might, because I think they are so uh, such powerful mechanisms for decarbonization that if that's kind of if that's quid pro quo, then then maybe fair enough, and I'd have to think about that a bit further. But I think, like I said, sort of before, I, you know, I support a, a carbon dividend. I guess one other other policy uh, program which I could perhaps get behind would be um, accordant cuts to other taxes. So whether that's kind of personal taxes, uh, income taxes, corporation tax, anything like that, um, I think there are sort of payroll subsidies. Um, you know, that could be, um, you know, possibly more. Um, uh, more attractive way of doing it. But I, but I come back to the point that I think a, a dividend is perfectly easy to, to administer. Um, I don't think there's going to be huge costs. Uh, you know, government, I think they, there's a lot of kind of uh, systems already in place for this, particularly in developed countries like the UK that I think, uh, it, it could more than easily be done. Um, so, so that I sort of come back on Martin's point that it, the cost would be, you know, pretty negligible, I think. Um, and and so, yeah, I think I think that I also kind of want to just come back on a, on a couple of the other things Martin just said. So um, kind of seeming to imply that that, you know, we're we're transitioning towards green alternatives. I mean, yes, we absolutely are. Um, and we can see that in, in electricity and, and electric vehicles and things like that. Um, however, we're burnt by no, no means going quickly enough, you know, still about 80, 80% of uh, energy uh, in, in the UK. And this is a country that's done huge um, steps forward for the environment over the last sort of 10, 20, 30 years, um, still overwhelmingly powered by fossil fuels. Um, and uh, and I think just hoping that, that you know, now that we seem to be heading in the right direction, well, A, we're probably not heading in the right direction quickly enough. And, and analysis from sort of groups like the CCC um, definitely confirm that. Um, so I think we absolutely do need to be sort of reaching for those tools of decarbonisation, which um, are gonna help hasten that journey uh, along and ensure that we are sort of developing and putting forward the structures that will, um, you know, incentivize entrepreneurs and companies and, and individuals to, to buy less polluting and more climate friendly goods and services.
1: Interesting. And Marvin, can, can you clarify on uh, what the assumptions are on the social cost of carbon? Uh, how carbon tax um, is almost arbitrary assumptions based on, on the social cost of carbon?
0: uh so uh, first of all, um i, I definitely agree with withman in that we need to speed up our uh, transition and i one hundred percent agree. I just don't think that uh looking at the um costs and benefits of of carbon tax that is the uh the best way to uh, to do so. but that's a a, a different um question. Uh, regarding the the social uh, the social impact of, of um, carbon tax you, you are saying oh, in, in general um, okay so um, yeah on one side like for example we've seen with uh, the yellow vest movement in, uh, in in France a couple of years ago um, when a policy is targeted even if it's environmentally sustainable as we've seen with uh, with the yellow vest movement where the tax was on um, a similar manner, it was on uh, petrol and and um, uh, heating oil. And when the tax was introduced, um, the people who were hit the most by it were uh, the poorest, and the, basically the, the working class. And um, we've seen that uh, even though there was there were ideas of a of a dividend being introduced, um, it didn't change the fact that the government was forced to back out of the uh, of the of the program. And um, that's because the the, the uh, reality of the matter is uh, is that it has uh, a regressive characteristic uh, because you uh, because you are um, costing more to people who are more reliant on on for example driving to work or uh, who are heat, who have to heat up their homes with less sustainable means uh just because they can't afford a, a like to to change the the furnace uh for example or to um join uh to the central heating of the of the town that is around them and and that has real repercussions and obviously yes a dividend could be a potential way to um to resolve that um however how it would be administered even if it was perfect like 100 percent of it going back to going back to the people it's still going to have its limitations as with any social program, it's still not going to reach everyone, it still requires for people, to, uh, for people in the government to know that, that there is this opportunity and that they uh, have to reach out for it, even if it was complimentary, everyone was, was receiving it. As we've seen with, um, with the COVID response, there are people who, who are not receiving it and there were, for example, uh, companies and corporations who didn't supposed to uh be getting the the money from the government and yet they were and i think this is going to be a a similar issue that we would uh run into uh with the with the uh carbon tax dividend because uh there is always going to be um issues of um people either fraudulently or um getting it when they shouldn't and people who are for example not registered as i said before with the with the uh, immigrants um not getting it at all Or, for example, there could be some uh, some issues with a pushback from from groups that are uh, that would like to limit it for for certain uh, groups within the society. And thus, again, uh, providing more inequality rather than uh, rather than the opposite. And um, I would very much like uh, for it to be just fair and uh, done in a way that it would work well and people would be compensated for it. I would very much like that. However, I think with with our experience so far. This hasn't quite been the situation. I think in most cases, it rather uh, proved to be um, ineffective uh, oftentimes. Um, and uh, beyond that, we could go into the issues of of uh, similarity to to UBI, uh, but that's again another another conversation. Um, but in general, uh, yeah, it's it, it, depending on which way we we look at it. Uh, there is always going to be a a negative impact for the um, for the poorest part of the population and uh, for for marginalized groups that I think are just going to get more uh, marginalized because of them.
2: Can I just can I just come in there because I think um, and you know in a way I I, I enjoy it and I like it that you're kind of you know cognizant of the fact that you know government spending programs are seldom the best way um, for us to get money out to people and things like that, but. I think there's a real danger here of making perfect the enemy of the good. Um, And actually in the grand scheme of things, um, I think, uh, you know, we have sort of state pension systems. We have uh, actually quite a rigorous and robust, um, you know, public infrastructure for ensuring, um, you know, welfare and benefits and tax um, are collected and distributed in, you know, a reasonably efficient way. Um, I think the point about um, sort of like an undocumented immigrants, well, I don't think uh, an infinitesimally small fraction of the population, um, who are, I suppose, in some regards, um, you know, I- illegal in, in, in the sense that, you know, and I, I, I'd, I'd welcome, um, you know, immigrants being able to get documented much more easily than they, than they are. But, um, I don't think we should allow that to, to, you know, bring the whole house down on, on what is otherwise a very good policy. Um. And and so yeah, I know I think, you know, in the nitty-gritty of, of real politique, you know, there's always going to be difficulties uh implementing programs. But, you know, I think we already do have pretty comprehensive programs in other systems, which, you know, you could probably just apply the same logic to, and then well, we can say, well, we did it with that, so why can't we do it with this? I think um there's a real danger and it, it sort of I don't think that's the most compelling reason for not doing it. I think, you know, let's have a go, let's let's try it, let's let's um, you know, take um take encouragement from what we've seen with the, the government and what it's been able to do in response to the coronavirus and and think actually you know maybe um, things aren't that difficult and we shouldn't let something being difficult put us off uh, doing it because it has um, incredibly productive and beneficial consequences as a result of doing so
1: and even uh, are there preferential structures for carbon tax um, like ways of structuring it that are better than others you know in terms of the approach and can you provide examples of that?
2: Uh, yeah, so so I, I kind of said this already at the top of um, the podcast, um, mm. in that I think ideally we would kind of levy it as far upstream the economy as possible. So um, perhaps a good example for us to look at would be the UK's carbon price floor, which is essentially a, you know, it, it, for all intents and purposes is a carbon tax, but it's only levied on generation of electricity in the UK. Um, but basically if you, uh, for every ton of, uh, CO2 equivalent that you, your power station produces, um, you pay a set fee. Um, I think it's just over 18 pounds per tonne at the moment. Um, so obviously if you're a, uh, a wind farm, you don't pay anything at all because you're not producing any CO2. If you're a coal power station, um, on the other hand, you probably are going to be paying quite a bit. And indeed, um, we've seen that, um, come through in the statistics. So uh, this policy was introduced in 2013. Um, since then, emissions from the power sector in the UK have halved, uh, and basically everybody um, who's got anything respectable to say about energy policy in the UK points to this as being pretty much the f- fundamental policy um, for the behind those uh, reductions in emissions. Um, for for once once and for all, uh, polluters were faced with the price for the pollution they were creating. And, you know, lo and behold, they stopped polluting. Uh, Renewables became a much more attractive bet for companies. Uh, Coal became just so uneconomically viable that nobody wanted to do it anymore. And as a result, we have, you know, a mere 2% less maybe um, of our electricity now generated by coal. Natural gas has stepped up and and filled the gap a bit, but the real big winners have been uh, renewables. So principally wind, um, but also solar as well, Um, and obviously nuclear. Um, doing its bit uh in there as well, about seventeen to twenty percent or so over those um eight years. Um so so that's kind of how the one broad carbon tax we've had in the UK has has sort of worked. So I think um let's absolutely just uh, roll that that kind of system out um to other sectors. And and we could do it in a kind of a phased way, you know, if that's what's um necessary to getting it um across more of the economy, then, then I'd, I'd support that. But, you know, ideally I would have as much of the economy as possible subject to the carbon tax, because then you um, then you have sort of uh, fewer distortions in in the economy, um, which is generally seen as kind of a good thing.
1: Interesting. And your thoughts on that, uh, Marcin, from what Eamon mentioned?
0: Sure. Um, no, so uh, first of all, um, I definitely think that there are things that we can do when it comes to uh putting the externality of um of emissions uh in into a, a price value and, and i think uh the the example you've, you've provided um has uh been working um however i think it goes back to the question of how far we are going we are willing to take it and um who do we want to price it on and and like for example, with uh, with with uh, spreading it around with with British uh, with British Columbia, for example, um, which which is more similar to, to to I think what what you are envisioning. Um, what ended up happening is that many people uh, either were um, for basically to drive to to Washington State um, across across country boundaries and uh, fuel fuel up there um also additionally uh, consuming fuel um and on the other hand uh even if the um, emissions on this sector dropped down uh emissions in other sectors didn't because um or, or they did but to the same extent as they did in in other um in other places so um even though in this very direct sense the emissions um, caused from from uh, fuel consumption decreased across the board. It wasn't it wasn't really that uh, that much of a case, even though it is supposed to trickle down to other uh, aspects of, of our economy and our aspects of other aspects of our of our production. And um, whilst and connecting that back to the to the to the question of the dividend and in general of, of implementation. I don't think that the, the the dividend is the biggest issue here i think in the the biggest issue here is how much everyone is actually going to pay um and uh how much they're going to get in return even if there is a dividend how if is, is it going to uh to cover uh, what they or they spend um and how how big a uh, portion of the of the population is going to going to receive it that's a completely also longer longer discussion on how it should be implemented but in general i think there are a lot of questions and um the more we get into them i think the more we see issues with with carbon tax because carbon tax does sound great in general it does sound good as a as a policy proposal um and to some extent in in very specific cases were implemented in Um, In industries where there is a direct, as as you said with the energy sector, where there is a direct choice between more more pollutant and less uh, pollutant, and when it's uh, done on a national scale um, or or a a local scale, it is doable or it has positive impacts. However, the more we spread it out, the more we introduce it in, in further places, um the the more complicated it gets and the the moment where we start implementing it transnationally the more problems we run into and and i think that in order to actually get a a impact that would um substantiate such a um such a policy we would run to so many issues that by the time that we that we get a a method that is working uh, i don't think it's going to be relevant anymore and um i for, i think that it's it's an interesting idea and i think that it it has very um high um positive uh like, let's say um in in the idea that it's positive however um in reality i don't think it's it's it has been working out or that it would Uh, work out. And I haven't really had a convincing argument yet that that would uh, convince me, convince me otherwise. And I think with these kind of policies, if we don't have a uh, proper solution to resolve all these, all these issues, if we want to make it such a big, such a big policy across the board, then uh, I don't think it should, it should and can be implemented.
1: Related to that, uh, Marcin, could a carbon tax implemented generally in the western world create asymmetric advantages for asia in in the eastern world if you are like in china not implementing a carbon tax what are your thoughts
0: oh yeah i mean that's that's my issue that's one of the my biggest issues regarding uh the um, international aspect of carbon tax because in most cases that we've discussed so far we've been talking about national Cases and or even less or regional as in the case with, with British Columbia. However, when we go into a transnational context, um, f- for one thing, uh, neither China nor any country uh, that is currently um, the, the let's say the production hub of the world is going to first disclose information on how much carbon or, on, or how much carbon emissions they have. Second of all, allow. For, for us to levy taxes on them, uh, it would rather be taxed on us, it would be a tariff, so it would be, we would be taxing ourselves and our own citizens um, on things that we don't even know because we can't, uh, We we this would only be our assumptions of how much carbon uh, they are producing, carbon tax, sorry, uh, CO2 they are producing, um, rather than what they actually produce, because Bangladesh, because China, because uh, India, they are not going to tell us how much each of their product is producing and how much they uh, if we want to go with your with your method, so with the upstreaming of the of the carbon tax, so how much they are producing um in terms of um, uh, fuel production or or, uh, or coal uh, and how that ties back, they are not going to tell us um, how how much it produces and beyond that let's say that we only introduce it on on the upstreaming we can't force them to introduce a carbon tax in their own country which means that they product their products the products produced in china produced in india etc they are going to have lower even lower cost of production because the commodities that they are using have not been taxed by the carbon tax uh, which means that they are going to be even more competitive uh, rather than uh, against against our our domestic production, which on one side is is always going to happen, but we are only further uh, decreasing the um, real competition that is going on in the world. Just every everything that is that has in the production line carbon um, as an uh, carbon dioxide as an emission is going to be automatically a bit cheaper uh if produced in in countries where this carbon tax isn't administered or it's going to encourage further uh, for for companies to move uh to these countries so that they all ought to buy from places um by the uh, oil or coal from places where there isn't carbon tax uh, because it's going to be cheaper again uh and there isn't really a mechanic right now uh that we could implement uh, that would allow us to um, levy this this tax on them.
1: Your, your thoughts, Eamon? Is there any way to to globally do a carbon tax that addresses the scenarios outlined by Martha?
2: So I think it's a really interesting question and probably is actually the best argument um, you know against uh, further climate action um in in within sort of single countries but i guess that could be the case for carbon taxes or any climate action in general um however even with this i think there are uh, mechanisms that we can use actually to get around it and and these are mechanisms that um are only gaining uh, more and more attention in the media and um you know within the eu and and president biden um has has stated his support for them and essentially these uh, got lots of different names, but a lot of people will regard them as kind of carbon border adjustment mechanisms. Um, and what these mechanisms essentially do is, um, you know, if say the UK were to introduce a carbon tax, um, anything that we uh, import into our economy, um, if it hasn't been produced, or if, if, it, if the carbon in that good hasn't been subject to um, an accordant level of carbon pricing, in its in the country it was um, produced it would then be expected to pay kind of a difference between um between those two values um so that um you know british companies aren't going to be undercut and so that um you know we're not simply offshoring emissions and on that point as well i would just like to say that there's actually very uh, little evidence of the so-called pollution haven hypothesis um the, the sort of costs of pollution abatement are such a minor part of um, overall production costs that actually i think they're rarely kind of the first consideration for business um, that's not to say that they couldn't um become more important as um you know countries um take stronger climate action and want to um and and maybe then we will see some sort of offshoring um hypothesis um come true um however um i think a lot of the academic evidence thus so far um kind of dispels that um but returning just quickly to um uh, arguments in favor of a carbon border mechanism. And we, and Marcin you talked about kind of countries wouldn't want to take unilateral action. Um, uh, I actually think it, this could be something which really does spur um, other countries, particularly China, India, places like that into further um, action on carbon emissions. Um, and I like to think about it like this. And this is uh, an idea that's really well publicized by The Economist, uh, Professor Dieter Helm, uh, Sir Dieter Helm now um but uh, i'll try and do it justice Um, and it essentially runs something like this so if you're a chinese steel manufacturer and you want to import your steel into the uk but the uk now has a carbon border adjustment mechanism uh, and you'll be expected to pay some money um, to the uk treasury to allow your imports of steel to come in now if I'm uh, part of the Chinese government and I'm seeing my steel producers paying all this money to the UK treasury, um, I'm probably not gonna be that happy about that. Uh, I'd probably rather that money was going to the Chinese finance ministry. um, And so we're simply not sort of paying other countries um, to take our goods. Um, And because of that, I think that's a really interesting and effective and elegant way of um, other countries who um and to be fair to China, they have now set their 2060 goal for carbon neutrality uh whether they get there or not is another question um but i think it's it's a it's a way of um really sort of bringing in all countries into the climate fold and it's a way of unilateral action um that can really spur decarbonization in other countries in a very sort of market-based way it's not it's not kind of government dictat from on high it's kind of just saying if you want to import your stuff in here you will have to pay a small fee um to do so and this is what it will be and uh and then you can make your decision whether you want to or not um and i think the other really interesting thing about this is that if as i said sort of the eu is looking at this um, president biden's looking at it you know if the eu and the usa and uh the uk all come together and kind of uh, create kind of a united front and and have a kind of harmonized um uh border adjustment mechanism um you know that's a significant part of the global economy that is now covered by this mechanism and all the other countries that are sort of importing into that um will be subject to it and i think the kind of the the, the direction of travel would be just for more and more of the the economy uh, the global economy to kind of want to be part of this um to really kind of um you know make speed the whole thing up make it all easier and i think that is ultimately how we are going to kind of Um, deliver on this sort of next uh, phase of of global decarbonisation. So, yeah, as I said, sort of superficially, I think that is um, the argument about kind of offshoring and whatnot is um, potentially, you know, quite uh, damaging for, for carbon taxes. However, even with this, I think there are mechanisms to allow us to get around that.
1: Well, it's been great insight and perspective by both sides on the carbon tax. Can you provide a summary statement with your key points of view? Uh, Martin?
0: sure. Um, so first of all, uh, thank you so much um, to to you, Richard, and thank you so much, Eamon, for 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 your uh, for your side. And it was very interesting to to hear about because I think it like right now, uh, in although in any stage of our energy transition, we should consider all uh, possibilities. And as I said, I think it's a, a noble goal. Um, I think, but I think it's um, the implementation and the externalities of of this of this mechanism ironically uh, would be uh, would be too too problematic to um, to pay off for the uh, for for the uh, uh, benefits that it's that it's supposed to bring in so um to to summarize my point i think that um, carbon tax uh, in general whilst uh, positively um, envisioned uh, in reality uh, it has a lot of uh, negative uh, repercussions and and issues, both in terms of the implementation and the effects on domestic and international economies. Uh, so far, um, we didn't really have enough uh, enough evidence uh, in, in places where carbon tax was um, introduced in a widespread mechanism uh, that it that it uh, provides these benefits uh, that that it's supposed to provide. And uh, with, um, with its impact, especially on the on the poorest side of the population, um, even if, if a, a dividend was to be uh, introduced, it would still have negative repercussions as um, because of it being only for parts of the population and um, because of it uh, highly depending on uh, a ever increasing carbon tax and um, its limitations um it wouldn't be a enough compensation to um to resolve the issues that would be rather than limited to a small portion of the economy actually would be a widespread um negative externality and especially when we move it overseas um even with border adjustments uh there would still be um pushbacks from the from the international community especially from from developing countries and uh, after all, uh, border adjustments are a, a bit different term, a, a more environmentally based term for, for, uh, for a tariff. It's, it's basically a tariff. It's, it's a tariff under a, a different name and that is uh, environmentally based. And it has the exact same issues uh, that, that all tariffs do uh, with, with how it basically makes the, the societies that pay them poorer and uh, the um, economies that uh, are levied on um, less impacted than the ones uh, who have to pay the, the tax. So, um, in, in summary, uh, good intentions. Still, I'm not convinced about the, uh, the implementation and about the, the, the implications that, that it would have for the, for the global population, global and local economies. Thank you.
1: Great. And your summary statement with key points of your view, Eamon?
2: Thank you, yes. Um, so I think, uh, essentially, it all boils down to this, that we need to take action on emissions. Um, and the question is, therefore, how do we do that uh, in the best way? Um, and I think uh, that the private sector and the and the global capitalist economy is going to be essential for us to do that. But it needs to sort of be steered um, and, and uh, be exposed to kind of the right incentives um, to allow companies to, to really kind of invest in the next wave of climate friendly goods. Um, and I think so uh, as I've been arguing that carbon taxes, um, yes with complementary policies like um, dividends, uh, maybe regulatory rollbacks in other places, um, they allow us to do that. Um, they're market-based. they limit the need for government alternatives to and sort of further government action. Um, and they're, they're proven to work. Uh, Martin, you say, they seem to suggest there's little evidence, but I think there is plenty of good evidence. Um, and essentially, that is the most important thing at the end of the day, um, that they are working um, and that they do drive emissions down. And uh, fundamentally, that's what we need to be doing right now um, if we are to meet kind of net zero and things like that by 2050. Um, so that's that's kind of my, my pitch in a nutshell.
1: Excellent. And how can our listeners learn more about your work, Martin?
0: I assume that my uh, that our listeners are already are familiar with PCA, uh, but uh, if you want to learn more, um, check out uh, www.pca.eco, and um, yeah, and you will find me there. Um, beyond that, um, uh, always can be can be reached on Twitter at mbranowski, and yeah, I hope you'll you'll check us out.
1: Great, and Eamon?
2: Yeah, similarly, probably Twitter's the best. Um, So you can follow uh, the Centre for Policy Studies, um, who I work for, at at CPS Think Tank. You can follow me at Eamon Ives, and please do. And um, yeah, further thoughts can be found there.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Marcin and Eamon.
0: Our pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Green Market.
2: Subscribe to our channels wherever you're listening to us to make sure you see every time we post a new episode.